in today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast. Sadly, many of our activists are, you know, sometimes the language that we hear and the is because they're standing by themselves. There's nobody giving them sincere advice in the, in the method that they can hear. Towards sectarian activism, it's a call back to loving social justice, but that we do it in the in the spirit of love and not to exceed the boundaries in in hating people. Right? We can uh, disagree with 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 people, but do it with a spirit of lutf, of of gentleness and uh, rifq, of compassion and and, and kindness. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Salim here for a very special podcast uh, with the two very esteemed guests who we've been uh, able to have on the program before, but never together. So this is a, a really very honored to have both of these speakers here today. Uh, Ustada Aisha Prime, who's uh, joining us today. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam And Imam Dawood Walid. Assalamu alaikum We're Really happy to to be able to connect the two of you together and uh, to talk about um, activism and spirituality and, and other issues uh, relevant to to that. And I think to begin this discussion, uh, Imam Dawood, uh, you've written a book um, recently um, towards sacred activism. Um, and I think to just kick off this discussion um, to tell you know uh, you know some of the the reasons and the why you decided to you felt the need to write something like this. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim alhamdulillah Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin al-Fatih lima uqliq wa khatli lima sabaq nasir bil-haq bil-haq wal-hadi ila siratika mustakim wa ala alihi haqqan qarihi wa miqdal al-azim Oh well first it's an honor to be on this podcast and with our, our sister Ustada uh, Aisha Prime who I had the pleasure of traveling with a delegation with her and her husband to the uh, blessed land of Senegal and to uh, visit some of the uh, living teachers as well as the awliyaullah, the, the friends and saints of Allah who are uh, reside in that area who are buried there. So it's, alhamdulillah, it's a pleasure. Um, regarding the the uh, the impetus or what motivated me to write the book towards sacred activism really starts off with a, a fellowship that I was a part of uh, with some other Muslims going back to the years 2010, 2011. And it was a year-long fellowship. Um, and many of the who's who in the activism world uh, were uh, part of this fellowship. And what I saw developing then almost a decade ago was a type of activism which was based upon treating Muslim as a quasi-ethnic identity or a social political identity that was not grounded in traditional understandings of Islam and the uh, what we would call the adururiyat uh, or the basic necessities of knowledge that uh, all Muslims are supposed to know and be acquainted with that I uh, experienced that really there was a uh, an impending crisis that was coming. Um, it took me a while to write the book uh, conferring with uh, teachers and trying to be uh, as thoughtful as possible uh, and gentle uh, in writing it. But um, there is definitely an issue that we have in the uh, in activist community. And I felt that being uh, an imam and someone who was, uh, has been trained <laughs> somewhat in tradition, I would never uh, claim uh, myself to be an alim, but someone who has uh, studied the tradition, uh, read and studied uh, several books with scholars, but also being involved in the activism world that I had a, a perspective uh, that needed to be uh, put out. And uh, of course, the book is out uh, now and uh, is not to say that it can't be critiqued. It should be critiqued and be uh, improved upon. But uh, we really, uh, in talking with my uh, teachers and writing it, uh, which Imam Zayd Shakar wrote one of the forewords and Ustad Alina Safi uh, wrote forward. I also want to make sure that I had uh, uh, a male and female teacher to uh, also not only know about the contents, but also to contribute in actually writing part of the book that we made sure that we had not just uh, a male voice, but a female voice in, in the book. What were some of the, the very the, the, the important, I would say, the concerns that um, you sought to address 
because you wrote this book for a reason, as you as you started to describe, because you're seeing that this worrisome trend, and I'm sure you uh, yourself, as Aisha, has have seen that as well. Talk a little bit about what are the trends that you um, you both have been seeing that is of concern uh, to make you want to specifically address this topic of uh, of sacred activism. Well, uh, the concern stems for two things. Let me say first that. Uh, my writing the book and even addressing these concerns is not a judgment about the sincerity of um, some of the things that I've seen that have gone uh, awry or gone, um, you know, off the path uh, from a number of our perspectives. We're not questioning people's sincerity or commitment. Uh, so let me first uh, say that. And it's uh, also no judgment that I'm making that thinking that I'm better than anyone else uh, either. Um, but it is to say that there are certain things that are uh, in the dean that we have to be aware of. And two of those things I saw um, relate to first uh, theology and then the second um, etiquettes in regards to activism. So the first uh, theological thing is uh, something very basic that is grounded in, in a, a tawheed or the oneness of Allah, and particularly that Allah is al-adil. Uh, he is the just, but also meaning that what the Usuli scholars say that Allah is the one who put everything in its proper place, right? And thus injustice is when human beings take things out of their proper places in the world that Allah put them in and intend them to be in. So what I began to see is the, the democratization of justice in which the standards of mahruf and munkar are, are put up to uh, trends and popular votes. So those things that are very, and we're not talking about issues of ikhtilaf, right? Uh, as far as like the halal haram, we're talking about things very clear within the name of of, of activism. Uh, not only uh, have we seen people advocating for things that are forbidden in Islam uh, in the spirit of quick pro quo, because some people helped us out, so we feel obligated right. to scratch their back. But even more disturbing is that when people are actually justifying and trying to make the uh, haram into halal or saying there's no problem with the uh, with the munkarat, that the munkarat is actually things that are good and then don't judge. That's one of the buzzwords, yeah, yeah. right? So that's one problem. And then the adab, um, that as we have been given uh, permission uh, to speak out against injustice, that we, we know that uh, we've been taught that everything in Islam has an etiquette that we give everything its proper due uh, in its proper place in its proper time. I mean, it goes for uh, inanimate, inanimate objects as well as living uh, things. Uh, like even we're supposed to have an, an, an adab with horses and camels and all of uh, Allah's creation. But how we deal with, uh, with people when we have tension or conflict. So... Uh, adopting some of the tactics of the of the far left of um, bum rushing stages, thinking that's okay, screaming, shouting people down, using profanity, and not just at people of other faiths or people of no yeah. faith, but even the name calling and um, using profanity at fellow brother. Uh, Muslims, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, I began to see this a little more. Um, and, you know, we always have the ongoing uh, social media beefs and controversies. There has to be one every couple of weeks we're on Facebook, someone, you know, tearing someone up to shreds because of, of a position. And um, so there's an adab of critiquing ideas, but not name calling people. I, I think of one of the, the books that I read in the back and forth discussions by two great scholars of uh, Al-Layth ibn Sa'ad and Imam Malik. May Allah's mercy be upon both of those great scholars of fiqh. And they wrote uh, um, letters back to each other, uh, refuting each other's positions on certain things, one of them being the whether it's binding of taking the the uh, actions of Ahlul Medina as being authoritative or not. This is one of the uh, issues of dispute, but the way that they addressed each other in the very beginning was so caring and so loving that they they argued their points and disagreed, but there was a sense of like muwadda, of like affection that they expressed to their brother when they were uh, disagreeing. So 
Um, I've also uh, seen a, a, a decay in that and really um, in towards sake of activism, it's a call back to uh, loving uh, justice, loving social justice, but that we do it in the in the spirit of love and not to exceed the boundaries in uh, in in hating uh, people. Right? We can uh, disagree with 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 people, but do it with a spirit of 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 of, of, of gentleness and rifq uh, of 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 compassion and and kindness. And uh, this is the way that I was taught uh, that is the way of the beloved of God, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. Observations, Ustada? Yes, actually, I was, you know, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, rabbil alamin, wa salatu wa salam ala sayyidina mulan Muhammad, wa ala wa sahbihi wa sallam, nahmanu, nasta'inu, wa nastaghfiru, wa na'udhu bika min shurina, anfusina, wa min sayyiyatina, amanina. So first and foremost, you know, What's important in in these moments is for us to recognize what's the goal, what's the purpose, right? And our goal and purpose ultimately is Tawheed and, and to manifest that um, our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that oneness, that oneness also with each other, right? The oneness of the self and the oneness with, with community. And so in recognizing that, that it's oneness that we're seeking. It's a unity and love and mercy and guidance and protection from evil that we're seeking. Then we recognize first that what we're trying to address is the removal of any opportunity for the devil and his enemies to try to divide the Muslims on any front. And for him to say, to you know, I seek refuge in Allah from him trying to pin one side of our community against another, right? So by no means is this, uh, you know, in talking about sacred activism, when we talk about sacred activism, it, it calls for a unity from its, from its roots, right? That you must have, in, in order to be sacred, you first and foremost must have a spiritual guide. There must be there must be one that is that is connecting the creation to the creator, right? There must be somebody in that process who has the ability, has the skills, and has the resources to be able to call people to Allah. And so, for the Muslim, that's always the goal, right? Because ultimately, that it's Allah we're returning to, and it's Allah we're dealing with. So, in that understanding, then on top of that. Once you, you have, you have to have knowledge, right? You have to have knowledge by which to do that. And so, and then you have to have knowledge on two fronts. You have to have knowledge on what is the disease that we're treating and what are the methodologies, what are the pro proper methodologies of treating that disease, right? And, and then to recognize, okay, and for those who are advocating the disease, how do they make sure that they don't spread it, right? And so this is, what's, this is what's key and important in making sure that we as a people, that we as a community are enjoining the good and forbidding the evil according to the way according to the way Allah and his messenger have described what is good and evil because whoever determines your good and your evil that's your lord that's who you worship right and so it's Allah who de who determines for us that which is good and that which is evil so that's one small little layer of it and then how do we go about eradicating evil so for the protection and the upliftment and the spread of good and so I, I think, you know, mashallah, Imam Daoud has done a fabulous job, um, you know, on his book, and he can speak for his text himself, right? So I won't necessarily speak to his, you know, speak to his book. But what I can speak to is that we have created two extremes in our community. And in creating those two extremes, we have those who are, um, extremely, uh, let me say, they are, they are very careful, right? They're very careful to make sure that we don't, um, 
that we don't step outside the boundaries of the Quran in the prophetic example. And however, where do, that's not an extreme, so where does the extreme lie? It lies in their inability oftentimes to listen to, um, to listen or to tolerate even any discussion about what are the ills. I'm talking about the deep ills of society that aren't, that aren't easy conversation pieces, that aren't easily solved problems, that aren't, you know, a quick fix. It's, it's, you know, for, and, and so there were many times found spouting, ex, you know, spouting examples that don't ring true in the reality of people. So for example, when, when it comes to Black Lives Matter or addressing the deep set racism um, that has come upon that has come upon our people, especially those who who come from colonized lands, that when when we begin to address that, the quick the quick answer is there is no racism in Islam, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that's true, but there's a lot of racism right. amongst Muslims. Right. That's right, right? And so recognizing Islam is the hospital and everybody in the Muslims are the patients. <laughs> and so, you know, to spout that this is the ideal, this is the utopia, this is the, this is what we're searching for as, as if that were the reality leaves those who are in pain, who are striving, who are suffering. They are left to um, basically in many cases, their own devices in the sense that, there is no, there's nothing reaching out to them to say, let me call you, right, to a method and a methodology um, that will bring you success, as opposed to being involved with, with isms and schisms and ideologies that not only they don't serve you, but on top of that, they were actually meant to undermine connection to the divine in general, and an attack on the Muslims in particular. Now, that might have been, you know, but that is what it is. And so, um, and so that, that begins to, you know, number one, may Allah bless Imam Daoud Walid for being willing to say, let's talk about this. How do we enjoin the good, forbid the evil, absolutely work to end oppression, absolutely work hard to address these issues in the methodology that will bring us success, right? Success with dunya wa akhirah. So that's one thing. Then it's, it's, a, it's a bit difficult because without a shadow of a doubt, those who are on this, you know, the other extreme side, they're feeling a sense of resentment against, um, you know, the elite class of Islam. They're saying they're feeling a sense of resentment against many teachers and, and scholars. There is a resentment because they felt like, well, I wasn't listened to or I wasn't heard or I wasn't engaged. Um, and so, you know, because I was, and, and many times, let me be even more thorough, Many times, uh, oppressed people, hurt people, don't necessarily have. They weren't. They weren't necessarily given what are the ins and outs of the the etiquettes for how I should address the teacher and the scholar. So the one who is the teacher and the scholar must be able. You know, it's it's different from having being a teacher and a scholar and being able to have the spiritual tools by which to remove the ego. Uh, lower the waterline, have a humble, open heart, and say, I will listen to you in whatever case and state you come in. As Rasulullah with the Bedouin Arab who came and urinated in the masjid, right? Everybody else is like, chop off his head, beat him up, you know, we, we don't get that dude. As opposed to Rasulullah is like, listen, and so there is adab that needs to be had on both sides of the equation, is my point, right? In order to bring about a progressive solution. Um, and then, you know, in all honesty, for those who are in the teaching class to recognize that if they don't have, you know, 
like Imam Daoud, who's who's dealing with care. And if you don't have eyes on the ground, if you're not, if if you're spending time, you know, only in the masjid and you're spending time only in the madrasa and the schools, and you haven't come and sat and 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 been with the people, you haven't eaten with the poor, you haven't, you know, you haven't fought with the oppressed, you haven't witnessed the harm, you haven't, you know, put wounds on bullet holes. If you haven't done that then you have no idea what these people on the other side are going through. And so, therefore, you don't have fiqh al-waqiyah. You don't know how to take this blessed, beloved deen and apply it to the situation. You've got medicine, but you don't have methodology for how to apply it. If I can make a, um, a comment when she says very important, and I want to give a, a, a personal story that it was like 2006, and I was in a, a meeting with a number of um, ulama and scholars, it was a meeting in the United States of America. I'm not going to mention which organization, but it was about 100 of us there. Um, all male, by the way, which that's a, another issue maybe we can get into about the uh, exclusion of, of, of women from uh, scholarly spaces um, in our community. But um, one of the emails, uh, actually, Imam Siraj Wahaj, may Allah preserve him. Uh, he posed to some of the imams and he said, Kanye West was on TV and he said, George Bush don't like black people. And then he asked the ulama were there. He says, how many of you know who Kanye West is? And I think the only people who there who raised their hands was, I believe, Imam Zaid Shakur and myself. <laughs> and, were, basically, all the other imams there were uh, or shiuch that were there were Arab, Turkish, and South Asian. <laughs> and then Imam Siraj went on to say that, he said, what Kanye West says in his rap songs and what he's saying, he says, has more influence on most of the youth and, and your message and all of your muhadarat combined. And he said, you better know what, what, what Kanye West is talking about. So this goes into the social critique and knowing what is actually affecting and influencing society, which unfortunately one of the uh, concerns I've heard from many activists is that, look, we have to do something because these scholars and these imams don't really know what's going on in the street or their discourse is basically talking about things that are uh, overseas or old arguments, you know, about Sunnah and Shia, but what what's really going on in the broader society in which Muslims who were born and raised here, second and third uh, generation Muslims whose parents or grandparents are immigrants, uh, tend to be more plugged in and, and really have been shaped by the social political reality. So there really needs to be um, some, uh, and this is what I'm calling to as well, but some uh, forms and very uh, intentional discussions where uh, Scholars and imams need to be humble as well as activists so they can come and sit down and talk with each other, have a dialogue and a discourse. But this whole framework about the scholar versus the activists or the activists versus the scholars, it's, it's, it's like a dysfunctional marriage. Like you can't have husbands and wives uh, at, at each other's throats and you expect to have some sort of like domestic tranquility, right? So uh, if we're going to uh, not only progress as, a, as an ummah, but uh, to survive, I believe that we need to uh, have more uh, of these discussions between the, the scholars and teachers in which we have a number of women, such as Ustad uh, Aisha, who are part of their scholars and teachers. Uh, it can't basically be all male. Uh, that's that's a major problem. And then with um, with the activists, in which I say maybe leading activists in the American Muslim community actually are sisters, they're not brothers, in part mm -hmm. because Masajid and Islamic institutions historically in America have not given women their proper space and their proper due. So if they couldn't find it in the Muslim community, they found it out there in the activist world. They found it out there with uh, other uh, organizations. And of course, those isms that Ustad Aisha talked about uh, that they're grounded in, which are uh, secular paradigms. Um, uh, some of it is good, but some of it also conflicts with with, with the Quran, the Sunnah, and the, and the Ijma of our of our righteous uh, scholars and predecessors. So we we definitely need to encourage uh, uh, these discussions and and have more interaction. 
And the Muslims need to get busy in terms of being proactively involved in in addressing the problems. I think that um, what has happened, sadly, you know, just sadly to tell the truth, what has happened is that many of us have gotten close, you know, to middle class, uh, you know, What's the term? I'm middle class respectability. respectability. Right. Many, it's like what Dr. Bilal Ware talks about, uh, middle, middle class respectability. Exactly. So middle class right. respectability. That's yeah. the yes. word I was looking for. And not only that, or just, you know, our wealth, our class, our status. And so we're so busy that some, you know, concerned and afraid that someone will, t- you know, call us a terrorist or, you know, say that we're making too much noise, that as a result, they have kind of cornered us into now we're afraid about speaking out on issues of real concern, right? Now it's kind of like we're so busy trying to say, no, I'm just like you. No, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm peaceful. Um, you know, but as our great ancestors said that, you know, freedom isn't free, right? And the And trying to gain peace is not always a peaceful process. Um, may Allah bless El Haj Malik Shabazz, Allah Yurhamahu. So, you know, especially when, but as Muslims, we absolutely have the responsibility. This is something that we're called to. This is something that Allah Ta'ala has even labeled us in the Quran, right? In terms of that, the best of you, you are the best of nation because you enjoin the good and forbid the evil. That's a not because you love the good and hate the evil. That's an internal state, but mm-hmm. because you are working at it, you are enjoining. That's a that's a physical condition. That's, that's an right. external state. And so, you know, with that, um, it just speaks to and there, there are multiple ayats in the Quran. And when we look at our beloved Prophet والسلام, that there's certain spiritual beliefs he held, but he backed that up with his physical actions, right? And and so this is, um, and, and to be honest with you, when we look at, you know, some of the things that the activists are frustrated with is they're being, you know, spiritually bypassed to death, right? That it's because you're not praying enough. It's because you're not sincere enough. It's because you're not, um, you know, you didn't do this enough. You didn't do that enough. And ultimately, it's be, the spiritual bypassing, it, it telling them is is ultimately because on the other side of the equation, either they don't know how, or there is a fear, or there's ego involved in not listening. Allah help us. And so, but at the same time, the activist, when the teachers are present, and when there are spiritual doctors who are present, and there are spiritual guides who are ready, willing, and able in, to assist in that process. There has to be an eradication on the part of the activists, myself included, that can sit down and listen and, and, and can be humble to the solution that is presented and to even um, be humble to take, you know, to put aside even many times a portion of what I thought I knew or a portion of what I thought I understood in order for a greater understanding, for a greater lesson. You know, in our tradition as African-Americans, we, we say lean not upon your own understanding, right? And that's that's real because in Islam we say tawakul, to rely on Allah. And Allah has mentioned, you know, in Surah Al-Ahzab, that whoever decides a matter, you know, other than based on other than Allah and his messenger, you know, this is this is a, a this is a severe state. This is a hypocrisy in some cases, disbelief. Allah help us. So, just like there needs to be listening and on both sides of the equation, there needs to be an eradication of the ego on both sides of the equation. There needs to be a, a humbleness on both sides of the equation. There needs to be, um, you know, the willingness to open the heart and to learn, so that we can get this work done. Because with we are suffering. You know, we are. This is uh, 2018. That leaves us. Help me with the math. How many di- how many years since the passing of El Haj Malik Shabazz? Allah Yirhamuhum. Fifty three years. Fifty three. Wow. Subhanallah. Fifty three years, and he was, you know, addressing police brutality then, and we're still addressing police brutality, and it's because we haven't st- because we haven't stopped it. Allah says, "I will never change the condition of a people until they change that which is within themselves." 
right? So if we don't get rid of our isms and schisms, you know, the, our children, our grandchildren, well, yeah, they'll be that will be addressing police brutality. Um, and then again, you know, we have to, and why aren't we pro, you know, again, we have to be proactive in the movement instead of criticizing um, those who are assisting, you know, we have to, what do we provide? You know, what platform? What? And I don't mean just like the voice. Where was the money? Where were the resources? Where was the help? Where, you know, and while I was giving you, while I was proving that I stand with you and I stand on the principle, um, I, not only did I pro provide a resource and provided the money, I, you know, provided the people, um, and I was giving sincere advice at the same time. But it's, you know, to take advice from someone who's like, I'm not standing with you, I'm not, you know, I'm not helping you, I'm not giving you money, and I'm talking bad about you, but I'm not giving any advice. That's, that's problematic, you know? Right, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. problematic as well. And sadly, many of our activists are, um, you know, sometimes the language that we hear and the, is because they're standing by themselves. There's nobody giving them sincere advice, you know? In the, in the method that they can hear. I wanted to temporarily put aside this, um, this dichotomy between the scholar and activist, because just for, uh, um, first of all, I, sometimes when I, when I hear the word activist, I, you know, I, I don't really know what that means and how it's distinguished from like, uh, like just anybody who's trying to do, do good, you know, uh, but we've come in this terminology that is talking about scholar and activist. And let's just assume the scholar and activist are the same, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're the same person. Thank in you. That, in that person <laughs> who is trying to enjoin the just. What is the role or what is the dangers of, because there can be a lot of idealism that um, for someone who is trying to enjoin the just and, and, to, and they're, they're trying to correct ills in society. And we, we know as Muslims that this is our, you know, this is a mandate on us to correct with something that we see wrong. Um, but there's a level that the idealism that can take place, which can frustrate the individual, which can, which can you know, make them um, disheartened. And I, I'd like to hear your take about how this relates with our relationship and connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Ustada you mentioned the tawakkul you could say like for example those people who are on the sidelines in 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 in, in those communities who um, you don't want to stand or don't want to um, speak out against injustices you could say that this is this is a reflection of uh, really of of fear fearing the creation rather than fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on the other side, you could say that, you know, someone who has this idealism as a, as, as a social, uh, working for social ju justice, um, reliance or an over-reliance over on the means rather than um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'd like to hear some of your thoughts and, and in, uh, let's, again, assuming that scholar and activists are the same for the purpose of the discussion in terms of the, 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 psych, the psychological and spiritual uh, understandings and the things that we need to correct to, to, to keep us away from these type of, um, you know, falling in these different directions. It's always good for us to surround ourselves with believers and to remind each other of that which we already know in our fitrah like in our primordial nature. So the first thing is that in operating from this position of, of Tawheed is that we have to constantly remind ourselves that justice in this life was not meant to be perfect. Perfect justice is in the hereafter. And in the hereafter, we're not going to be looking for justice. We're going to be looking for rahmah. We're looking for compassion and mercy. You know, we're not going to be looking for, none of us are going to want justice in the mm -hmm. next life. But that's where perfect justice comes from in the mazlumin, mustarafin, those people who are oppressed and marginalized. Uh, no matter what happens in this dunya, uh, whether they're believers or people who don't believe, uh, their their grievances will be answered on uh, on Yom Hisab. So that's one thing that we have to remind ourselves of, number one. Uh, number two, uh, our, our metrics of what success looks like as being those actively involved. Um, we do what we do and put forth our best efforts and try to refine those, but we do this for the pleasure of Allah, right? And if our niyyah is for the pleasure of Allah, we do it in accordance with the Quran and Sunnah. We leave the results in God's hands. In Allah, the results are not in our hands. And we need to constantly remind ourselves. We talk about, oh, we failed at this, we failed at that. We didn't see the result that we wanted. Well, maybe you're, maybe we're just planting seeds for something that will grow that our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. I mean, America is, is definitely 
uh, not what it's supposed to be. But good God, like my grandfather is about to turn 94 years old. He grew up in South Carolina basically as a legal slave, as a sharecropper. How he escaped was World War II, where he basically escaped the plantation that my family had been on since even before the Civil War, right? So um, he supported Dr. King, like that I was able to go to a school that wasn't segregated in the United States of America. Like there's been some progress, right? But there were people who laid the seeds for that. And there were many martyrs along the way, right? There are many people who gave their lives and were unjustly uh, imprisoned. So these are things that we need, uh, I believe, that we need to uh, uh, remind ourselves of. And in three, I also think, and Dr. Omar uh, Farouk Abdullah, may Allah preserve him, has been talking about this a lot recently, um, is the issue or the science that we have in Islam of eschatology, about the signs of the hour. And the reality is there are signs of hour and al-Mahdawiyah about the chosen one who's going to come back from Ahlul Bayt and the return of Isa alayhi salam. And we should understand, not to get disheartened, but we should understand that as we get closer to the final days, things are going to get worse. Like, unless we're saying our prophet was a liar, uh, yeah. we would never say that. But since we know that he spoke the truth and he didn't speak from his own desires, we know that things will get worse in, in this world, right? Um, there is going to be a decrease in men and an increase of women to the point that one, uh, one upright man will feel to be responsible for 50 women. There's going to be a problem with sisters getting married in the community. I mean, more than what it is right now. I'm just using this as one example. So we, we, we believe uh, Rasulullah spoke the truth, right? So, but we still have to keep on working and keep on playing the seeds, even if we were to think that tomorrow is the last day of the like world. Like the hadith, right? Like the hadith. Right. So we keep on working, but we're working for Allah's pleasure, but when we have knowledge and understanding this deen of the Quran and Sunnah, then when we see things going awry or not the way that we would want them to, we don't fall into total despair. We don't think the world's going to end. I, I ran to this uh, in the community when Trump uh, got elected, that there were people who needed like crisis yeah. counseling and they, they like, well, we're going to a tizzy, like right? And, and my thing is that I was getting called, like people up the sky was going to fall. And like, as an African American, uh -huh. I'm like, you know what? Like I'm going to sleep. Like, you know, uh, America, this is, this <laughs> is, this is, a, this, America. This, is a, this is America, perhaps some spill up with three K's and, and you know, America, KKA and you know, um, you know, inshallah, we're going to hold on to the rope of Allah and get through this. But you know, um, um, you know, uh, the, the sky is not simply falling, you know, because of the election. Right. So, you know, we just we just really at the end of the day, we need good sahaba. We need to remind each other of that, which is already in our fitra, fitra we is, is in our primordial good human nature that God created us uh, with that which we need. And, uh, you know, we can get we can get we can get through this. We can get through this. And, uh, you know, uh, despite what I see, uh, I have a lot of hope in, in the Ummah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I have hope in, in, in the American um, Muslim community. Absolutely. Uh, going back to your, your original statement about imagine the scholar and the activist are one person. That's, they have to become one person. That's the truth of it. Mm -hmm. That the scholar needs to have enough knowledge to be the activist. And, you know, that knowledge implemented. And the activist has enough has to have enough knowledge about that which they're advocating for to be a scholar. So that's what it has. That integration, that one person, you know, uh, has to happen. So that we, you know, Marcus Garvey, one one faith, one goal, one destiny. Yeah, one God, mm. one, one aim, one destiny. destiny. Yeah. One God, one aim, one destiny. Yeah, that's honestly, that's because ultimately our aim, as Imam Da'ud just reminded us, our aim is Jannah. Our aim is to meet Allah. And to meet Allah, not necessarily saying, Ya Allah, I made it perfect. Right? But Ya Allah, I did, I did exactly what you said in terms of enjoying the good, forbidding the right. I stood for justice. You know, that I had the internal and the external state, my mind, my body, and my soul were aligned. 
um, in, in recognizing that I want to, that I was coming to meet you. And so for the believer, no, there is no despair because ultimately we recognize this is not the end, but at the same time, we have the balance of recognizing that, uh, we don't just put it all off and say, this is for Allah to deal with, right? This is for the akhirah. You know, it'll be better in the, in the by and by. This is not the position of the Muslim. The position of the Muslim is I, that I have the responsibility to do my absolute best to make this world as good as it could be. Um, at least while I was on it, I did my part, right? That's, that's the goal of the Muslim. So that to try and make it better, you know, iqamati sunnah, the establishment of it, uh, the establishment of the connection between the creation and the creator. SubhanAllah, I, I'm, I'm with Imam Daoud in terms of I have a, a great amount of hope when I see even just just this conversation, right? This book coming out, Sacred Activism. When I think about, you know, the work that is being done on the ground, I think about conversations that we can have as it relates to, you know, women, um, as a, that we were just too ashamed to whatever, you know, to have those conversations before we're having those conversations right, that's right. and we're having them on the main stage, that's you know, right. we're not just having them in quiet rooms. Yeah. And so because of that, I have hope that subhanAllah change is not, change is not only on the horizon, but change has arrived. I wanted to, uh, you know, before we close out, um, I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you about something about an emotional state. In terms of when you're enjoining just as as an activist scholar, and we'll as we're talking about them being integrated, and that is the role of anger. Um, one of the uh, you know the, the 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 things that that is that is conjured up when we think about social justice work is that like there there's this there's this this outrage and this anger, and it makes me recall of um, you know the the analogy that Imam Ghazali speaks about of of, of the you know of um, of of the of the human being as being like a city and like the heart is the the commander and under his command as um is uh is as like almost like the police force or the troops is is um, is anger and um that can be channeled positively to build uh, to defend that body that city um but if uh, the command of the um, the heart is lost or if the heart is like distorted uh then that those police forces can just run roughshod and you know destroy the city um so there's this level of both a positive element of anger um in terms of you know uh, feeling this this um this drive this indignation of seeing something that is wrong that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said is wrong and that you must correct but on the other side there's this other um level where it can it can t it can take over to the point where um as acting in trying to enjoy injustice that you're acting out of anger but also you're angry inside uh, as opposed to uh, what um i envision of the prophet sallallahu and the righteous ones who they had anger directed in a certain way but in their hearts they were there was tranquility so i i'd like to hear some of your thoughts about this role of anger in this um in in this path of, of enjoining the just and forbidding the wrong well, I'm glad that you mentioned actually Imam Ghazali, and Imam Ghazali is is uh, one of the people who are in uh, his classic work Hiyalumuddin is uh, one of the uh, number of references in towards sacred activism. But of course, uh, anger, uh, which is inside of us, is a necessity in the sense that if we had zero anger, uh, that we would have zero drive or sense to bring about justice in the earth, right? So uh, uh, that, the problem is, is that when we end up getting uh, consumed by it, when it begins to consume our inner selves, that our soul ends up being kind of like wood on fire. And we can be consumed by the anger, which then causes us to uh, to transcend uh, the boundaries that Allah Azawajal has commanded us to uh, enjoin the good and forbid the evil. And if I can just quickly um, mention uh, two hadith and then give an example from the Quran. Um, I know we're running out of time. Uh, but one of those, which is well known, which is which authentic, is when a Sahabi asked the Prophet والسلام, to advise him, he said, La taqdab. Like, don't be angry. Well, of course, we're going to be angry, but it's la taf'alu bil ghadab, right? It's like, don't act in haste based upon your anger, right? And there's another hadith that explains this in al ghadab, min al shaitan, that certainly anger 
is from the is from the shaitan because acting from haste right it'll cause people to be consumed by their anger then they're not moving off of uh, or having using their 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 aql or intellect to control and then that can lead to a lot of problems and then what can end up happening is being involved in injustice in the name of trying to get justice and so that's 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 a problem um we can look at uh, haste, and it is a very important story uh, relating to this, which is mentioned in the book, relating to Soto Kaf. And this is the story of Nabi Musa, salam, and also his teacher, uh, Al-Khadr, salam. And it speaks to the importance that we all need of spiritual mentorship. Okay, some maybe some people are uncomfortable saying you have an ustadha or a marshid. Okay, uh, we all need spiritual mentorship. If a prophet of Allah, who is one of ulu azam al rusul, if one of the prophets and messengers of Allah need a sheikh, need a guide to help him in breaking his nafs, his his ego, and to help uh, check him, uh, and not to be so impetuous and act so quick based upon anger. Right. If if a prophet of Allah needed that type of uh, of guidance, then I think that we all would be well served to have guidance or spiritual mentorship. I have a sheikh, and I check in with him um, at least once a week, and I see him. Sometimes people don't have that luxury, but I have a sheikh that I uh, that I regularly uh, check in with. I think everyone needs to have. If it's not a scholar, someone who's an elder. Uh, who you have a respect for their character, you know that's that's uh, uh, that's somewhat grounded in the basics of the uh, of the dean. That I think that anyone who is um, uh, uh, of 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 the the inclination to go out into the world and address uh, social justice issues is uh, we all need spiritual mentorship, whether you're going to do that or not. But we but especially in particular, those who are involved in social justice. And I will end with this last comment that Sheikh al-Islam Ibrahim Inyas al-Maliki, he's a great uh, he's a great uh, 20th century scholar from uh, West Africa, from from Senegal. He famously said that a, a broken instrument cannot fix itself, right? So uh, if we make the analogy of us being like that instrument, that the nefs can't fix itself. You need to have another. You need to be able to have some humility in front of a teacher, in front of a mentor, so that they can help guide us in this journey called life and help break us from this, this, this nefs, this ego, and also... That can say, hold up a second, uh, Daoud. Hold up a second, uh, Ustada Aisha. Hold up a second, uh, Fulan bin Fulan. You know, take a step back, right? Calm down, or maybe there's another way you can look at that situation, right? We we all need that, and sometimes I'm, something's sometimes time to engage, sometimes time to disengage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we 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 need that because if if a person, I was told that if a person takes only themselves as their sheikh, then they've taken a fool as their sheikh. Mm -hmm. And even there's one that says, whoever does not have a, whoever does not have a guide, then shaitan is his guide. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last few minutes we have, uh, if you have any final comments about. No, again, I just think the topic of us, you know, this, the concept of the scholar and the activist being one for us to becoming one. When we look at, the position and the role of anger. Again, like you mentioned, in, in this particular text that you're talking about is uh, the alchemy of happiness mm -hmm, right. that Imam in that text. And so he says that basically anger is one of the ambassadors to the prime minister, which is the heart. And so the anger informs the heart. And that it, it's it, this is really key and important because what then... What, then the heart is informing the mind about the condition of the soul, right? So once this, and, I, and this is one ambassador of many, right? One emotion, hopefully in a basket of many. And so in this one 
you know, anger, this one ambassador going to the prime minister, hey, I'm angry about this. Then it engages the mind to say, this is where, you know, this is where my passion is, or this is where my concern is. This is where I find, and if there, you know, and, and some problems exist when basically there is no, when that ambassador doesn't run through the person at all, meaning I'm not upset about the condition of racism. I'm not upset about, you know, Flint water. You know, I'm not upset that, you know, what's happening in South Dakota. And I'm not upset about, you know, DACA or, you know, I'm not upset about, you know, the fact that one in a woman is raped every 13 minutes. I'm not upset about, you know, forced marriage. I'm not upset about that. That's a problem. (laughs) Right. That's a problem. Um, And so when the, in this being consumed or to be angry means that you don't have any other emotional tools in your basket, right? There are no other prime ministers informing the heart that that's it. You are just an angry person, right? So meaning don't be angry, meaning that's, that's not all who I am. Because even in that case where the, the minister or the ambassador, excuse me, is informing, informing my heart, What's the what's the depth of that? Why am I angry? Because I have a deep mercy inside of myself that says this is, you know, I, I have a deep concern because ultimately it, it it should lead to I'm crying in the in the last third of the night for for these people. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm crying out to Allah, Ya Allah, assist them. Irhamuhum. You know, Allah give them lutf. Ya Rabbi, undur alayhum. Ya Allah, look upon them and, and, and grant them mercy. Ya Allah, restrain the hands of the enemies from them. Right? This is, um, so the, it's not the root of the person, right? It's a secondary emotion. And that secondary emotion informs us about that I'm, I'm deeply concerned about making sure that I did what Allah told us, right? And, and in these circumstances, Allah is, Allah is actually calling us out. He's saying, what's your true condition? Who are you really? Right? It just exposes us. So that, that you know, ambassador just exposes us to ourselves in terms of who we truly are. MashaAllah, I'd like to thank uh, Sada Aisha Prime and Imam Dawood Balid for joining us today for this uh, very important discussion. Uh, certainly, there is uh, much more to be said on this topic, but unfortunately, time doesn't permit. Uh, but I'd like to um, direct our, your attention, especially f- for those of you joining us today for the first time on the Iman War podcast, to two um, earlier episodes that we've done, uh, one in particular with uh, Imam Dawood Walid and uh, our brother uh, Tarek Touré called Scholars and Activists uh, Bridging the Gap. Um, that's, uh, I believe, episode 11. So be sure to check that one out as we talk about some of the issues um, in uh, in activism, as well as another podcast uh, that we had with uh, Ustad Aisha Prime, that was episode 24 in which we discussed feminism and, and spirituality and some other issues. So I'd uh, definitely recommend um, for those of you listening who are interested in hearing more to check out those previous episodes as well. As we said at the beginning of the podcast, Imam Dawood Walid is the author of a new book uh, called uh, Towards Sacred Activism. It's now available. We'll put the link in the notes for the podcast for you to find more information and to purchase the book. Um, I'd like to thank all of you as listeners for joining us on another episode. Again, uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, please leave a review, a five-star review. All of that really helps in getting this out to um, a greater audience. Um, Be sure to share the podcast with friends, family, or anyone you think may benefit. Please give us your feedback at uh, imanwire at almedinainstitute.org. You can tweet at us at uh, imanwired. And we hope to see you in the next podcast. Until then, assalamu alaikum. Peace be unto you. Oh, I'm